We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. First and 10 at the 20-yard line. I formation. Timmy Smith again, the deep back. Play action fake. Williams going up top. Got Sanders on the fly at midfield. He's gone unless they can catch him. The 30, the 20, the 15, the 10. Touchdown, Washington Redskins. Just like that. First and 10 at the 42, the Redskin 42. They're working right to left in front of us here. He'll hand off to Smith, the deep back. Good hole, midfield, horse race to the 40. Far side, 35, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Washington Redskins. Timmy Smith from 58 yards. All I can say is that I'm terribly proud to have won two out of three Super Bowls and the entire credit goes to Joe Gibbs, to Bobby Bathard, the assistant coaching staff, and a magnificent band of football players. I hope to be in a Super Bowl next year. Well, I know the commissioner doesn't really fall in love with that word dynasty, Jack, but you guys ain't doing bad two out of three in the 80s. I hope that there is the beginning of a dynasty here, and I have every reason to believe that perhaps we may suspect one. And away we go, episode 615 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Friday, July 21st, 2023. One of the near universal truths about being a sports fan is that you become a fan as a kid, right? What's usually the case, not always the case, but usually the case is that if you're a sports fan, You became a fan not as an adult, not even as a teenager, but as a kid. You became a fan through your dad or mom or brother or sister or grandfather or grandmother or uncle or aunt or cousin or friend or someone. But you started being a sports fan as a kid. I became a sports fan as a kid uh, via my dad and grandfather. Uh, My first year as a cognizant sports fan was 1987. I was seven years old. Uh, 1987 just so happened to be a Super Bowl winning season 
for the Washington Redskins. Uh, they for that 1987 season won their second Super Bowl in six seasons, uh, won the team's third NFC championship in six seasons, and are out to winning three Super Bowls and four NFC championships over 10 seasons, 1982 through 1991. One of my earliest sports memories is the Skins win in Super Bowl 22, January 31st, 1988, the 42-10 drubbing of the Denver Broncos at Jack Murphy Stadium in San Diego, California. The Skins lost the first quarter 10-0, then won the second quarter 35-0. What is the single greatest quarter of football in Skins history, and maybe is the single greatest quarter of football in NFL history. Uh, What we just heard, of course, were two of the most famous plays from that 35-point second quarter, as called by legendary Skins radio play-by-play announcer Frank Herzog on WMAL. I had to dip back deep into my archives to get those calls, but I got those calls. Uh, And then we heard the post-game interview of the Skins owner, the man who officially was the chairman of the board of the Skins, Jack Kent Cook. Uh, He was interviewed by Keith Jackson of ABC. Jack Kent Cook, JKC, the squire, that voice, the way that he talked, so unique. Uh, My memory of that night is forever etched in my mind. The Skins glory days, if you were lucky enough to have experienced them, are likely forever etched in your mind. The glory days are what have kept so many of us coming back to the team and being hopeful for the team, even though, truthfully, there hasn't been that much reason for big-time hope with this team in a very long time. It has been exactly 30 years since the glory days. So many things have gone wrong for the team since the end of the glory days, since the end of the 1992 season. The glory days with Joe Gibbs as head coach, 1982 through 1992. The downfall started beginning with the 1993 season. Principal among the many things that have gone wrong for the team since the end of the 92 season, the 24-plus-year ownership of the team by a man known as Daniel M. Snyder. But I am happy to say that that ownership tenure has received its fatal blow. Dan is done. And now, the team getting back to a period of glory, all of a sudden, is much more doable. (laughs) Hello and welcome to this historic installment of the Al Galdi podcast, the only Washington D.C. area sports podcast or show for which there is a new episode each weekday, Monday through Friday, with each episode out oh so early each weekday morning. We on this show talk commanders on every episode of the show, regardless of the time of year. It is great to be with you. What we expected would happen on Thursday did happen on Thursday. NFL owners voted unanimously to approve the sale of the Washington Commanders from Dan and Tanya Snyder 
to the Josh Harris Group. Uh, The sale must formally close, but the sale essentially is done. The Dan Snyder era is over. 24 plus years of losing both on and off the field. A near two and a half decade decline of the NFL team of Washington, D.C., an institution of Washington, D.C., We on Thursday had a special league meeting by the NFL, and I emphasize that word special because this meeting, oh, it was special to many of us. Uh, The meeting took place at the JW Marriott at the Mall of America in Bloomington, Minnesota, and we late in the 4 p.m. Eastern hour got the word that NFL owners had voted unanimously to approve the sale of the commanders from the Snyder's to the Josh Harris group. Uh, The formal closing of the sale could happen as soon as Friday. What a day. What a development. You know, nine months ago, the notion of Dan Snyder selling the team was some pie-in-the-sky dream, you know? Was far-fetched, was basically unthinkable. And yet here we are, and the sale has happened. I mean, what a remarkable turnaround of this situation in a less than one year period. I mean, nine months, you know, basically a pregnancy, you know, if you got knocked up, okay, and you're just now going into labor, when you got knocked up, the notion of Dan Snyder selling the team was some pie in the sky dream. Who knew that we would end up in this place and yet we be in this place. And now here comes the Josh Harris group. Here comes Josh Harris who now is the face that runs the place. The Josh Harris group going to try to get our team back to where it never should have left. Coming up on the show, in-depth reaction to and analysis of one of the greatest days in D.C. sports history. That is not exaggeration. That is not hyperbole. I mean, aside from a major D.C. pro sports team winning a championship What happened on Thursday is about as big of a sports story as we've ever had in D.C. sports. Uh, Next segment, I'll take you through what Josh Harris himself said at a press conference on Thursday. Uh, I'm going to then get into, oh yeah, that other thing that happened regarding the commanders on Thursday. The releasing of the Mary Jo White report. Yeah, the Mary Jo White investigation. Golly gee, what do you know? That got put out there, the report for the investigation, on the day on which NFL owners approved the sale of the commanders from Dan Snyder and Tanya Snyder to the Josh Harris group. The NFL, in typical NFL news-burying fashion, announced that NFL owners had voted unanimously to approve the sale of the team from the Snyders to the Josh Harris group. And then, oh, by the way, released the Mary Jo White report and announced a $60 million penalty for Dan Snyder. Uh, I have some things to say (laughs) about this. Uh, You'll also hear what NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell had to say about this. And then I do have some parting words, some final words for Dan Snyder as Washington owner. Uh, Those words should include what the great character in the great movie, The Hangover, Leslie Chow, said years ago.
<laughs> yeah. Toodaloo, mother bleepa. Uh, and there are a few things better in movie history than Mr. Chow singing mother bleepers uh, as he did right there. Uh, also on the show, uh, I will post game a significant win for the Orioles on Thursday evening. A 4-3, 10-inning win at the American League wildcard leading Tampa Bay Rays in game one of a big four-game series. So the O's now are a full game ahead of the Rays for the best record in the American League and for first place in the American League East. Uh, by the way, programming note. So the commanders have announced this uh, training camp pep rally at FedEx Field for Friday afternoon at one. A lot of people think that the phrase training camp pep rally is code for Josh Harris speaks. (laughs) Uh, So we'll see if at this pep rally uh, we get extensive comments from Josh Harris. But if that is what ends up happening, extensive comments from Josh Harris on Friday afternoon, there will be a special installment of this podcast for Saturday morning, the rare scheduled emergency weekend installment of the podcast. Uh, But if not, if Josh Harris uh, doesn't speak on Friday afternoon or doesn't speak for long, uh, then I'll just be back with you for a show on Monday. So be on the lookout for a possible show, uh, what would be episode 616 for Saturday morning. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Lots of feedback to the special one-time return of Go Go Thursday for Thursday's show, episode 614. As uh, we at the start of the show had some uh, scheduled fun with the Go Go music from the Redskins marching band in October 2012 in celebration of what we anticipated Thursday to be and what Thursday ended up being. A tweet from Ruben. Loved the way that you started the show with the marching band. Loved it. Thank you, Ruben. A tweet from Chris Merle. The Go-Go Thursday had me absolutely fired up. Uh, Thank you, Chris. Glad to read that. Tweet from Jackson City Social Club. Al, you got us totally juiced with the Throwback Thursday to the Go-Go Roots of D.C. Love your show. Thank you for that, Jackson City Social Club. A tweet from Commander Prime. Loved the opening for Thursday morning. Thank you, Commander Prime. Tweet from D. Manley. Outstanding pod on Thursday. Love the Go-Go Thursday throwback. Thank you for the happiness on Thursday morning. Well, thank you, D. Manley. Uh, I'm assuming that's not actually Dexter Manley, but who knows if that is Dexter Manley. Thank you for the happiness that you provided back in the day. Tweet from Breezy G. Shout out to AG for the go-go. Your true trueness is why I listened to you all these years. Thank you very much for that, Breezy G. Uh, Tweet from Ashea. You did that, Al. Had me jacked on Thursday morning. My dog, and dog is spelled D-A-W-G, a different kind of dog than D-O-G, for those who do not know. Uh, thank you, Ashea. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, by the way. A-S-H-E-I-A. Uh, she has sent me a lot of great tweets over the years. Well, I'm glad that this special one-time return of Go-Go Thursday was well-received. That is a credit to the greatness of Go-Go. Uh, what must the godfather of Go-Go, Chuck Brown, be thinking right now. Chucky B, as you are taking all of this in from Go-Go Heaven, a salute to you, the godfather of Go-Go, 
Chuck Brown. I think that it's pretty safe to say that the Godfather is happy with the sale of the Commanders, and I know that a loyal supporter of this podcast, the great Dr. George Verghese, is thrilled about the sale. Dr. George Verghese, he is a board-certified dermatologist and Mohs surgeon. He is one of the nation's premier dermatologists. He is an elite dermatologist, and he and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland provide excellent skin care. If your skin needs help in the way that these skins <laughs> have needed help for years due to being owned by Dan Snyder, uh, contact Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Whatever your dermatological needs may be, call 301-396-3401 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Dr. George Verghese is a big fan of the Commanders. He's a loyal listener of this podcast, and he and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland focus on medical skin care, cosmetic procedures, and skin cancer diagnosis and comprehensive care. Uh, if you are dealing with allergic reactions, if you're dealing with acne, psoriasis, or eczema, if you're interested in procedures like Botox, laser hair removal, or chemical peels, if you are dealing with skin cancer or have dealt with skin cancer or want to get screened for skin cancer, contact Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Heck, Dr. Verghese and the Institute offer free skin cancer screenings in addition to offering advanced treatments for many skin cancers, including treatments that many other practices do not offer, like SRT, which is superficial radiation therapy. To find out more, call 301 396 3401. That's 301-396-3401. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. But call 301-396-3401. You could also visit midatlanticskin.com. That's midatlanticskin.com. For excellent and comprehensive skincare, contact Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. A big help is if you subscribe to rate and review this podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast via most platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. A subscription to the podcast costs you nothing and make sure that you never miss an episode. Uh, also, you on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated and you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review can be just a sentence or two. Can be more, but doesn't have to be. Uh, and thank you for subscribing rating and reviewing. The truth is that what happened on Thursday in the saga of the sale of the commanders was one of several milestone moments in this process. Uh, we had the beginning, November 2nd, 2022. The commanders put out a statement confirming a report from Forbes earlier that morning that the team's co-owners and co-CEOs, Dan and Tanya Snyder, were exploring a sale of the team. Quote, Dan and Tanya Snyder and the Washington Commanders announced today that they have hired B of A Securities to consider potential transactions, end quote. Uh, we had the bids March 28th, 2023. We had multiple reports that the Josh Harris Group and that Canadian billionaire Steve Apostolopoulos had submitted fully funded offers for the Commanders. Uh, also submitting a bid at some point, we believe, uh, was Houston Rockets owner Tillman Fertitta. Uh, we had the bowing out of Jeff Bezos, April 12th, 
2023. Multiple reports that Amazon founder Jeff Bezos was not bidding on the commanders. Uh, We had the non-exclusive unsigned agreement April 13th 2023, multiple reports that Dan Snyder had agreed to sell the team to the group led by Josh Harris for $6.05 billion. Uh, We had the exclusive and signed agreement May 12th, 2023, a formal joint announcement from the Snyders and from Josh Harris on behalf of the Harris Ownership Group announcing that Harris had entered into an agreement by which he would purchase the Commanders. And then we had the approval. Thursday, July 20th, 2023, NFL owners voted unanimously to approve the sale of the Commanders from the Snyders to the Josh Harris Group. So you are forgiven if you are fatigued by this process of the sale of the commanders. Look, the process included a good number of milestone moments. Uh, The process included a number of reports and rumors, many of which were conflicting. The process included fake news, uh, like the report from Forbes this past December 22nd that Dan Snyder had received bids for the commanders that were, quote, well north, end quote, of $7 billion. Uh, Yeah, that turned out to not be true. Uh, The process at various points was not clear. Like, the bidding process was never made clear. But the bottom line is that the process is done. All that's left is the closing on the sale, and that closing is expected very soon. The NFL on Thursday held a special league meeting at the JW Marriott at the Mall of America in Bloomington, Minnesota. It was late in the 4 p.m. Eastern hour that we got the word that NFL owners had voted unanimously to approve the sale of the commanders from the Snyders to the Josh Harris group. And then we, in the 5 p.m. Eastern hour, got a brief press conference involving Josh Harris and NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. Here were the first extended comments from Josh Harris of being approved as lead owner of the Commanders. And hello, everyone. It's an exciting day. And uh, Commissioner, thank you for um, voting for us and uh, allowing us to be partners and uh, great stewards in the NFL. And we're excited for your trust, and we will not let you down. <laughs> so as a, as a lifelong Washington football fan that grew up in Chevy Chase, I'm incredibly excited and humbled by the opportunity to serve alongside my partners as stewards of this great franchise on behalf of the city of Washington, D.C. One of my first memories as a child was walking down East Capitol Street, walking into RFK Stadium, hearing the roar of the crowd, you know, feeling the rumble. I grew up watching Sonny Jurgensen, Billy Kilmer, Joe Theismann, Mark Rippon, Doug Williams, you know, the Hogs, Joe Gibbs, Daryl Green, Art Monk, and three Super Bowls. And I remember, that's the Washington, then Redskins, now Commanders that I remember. This franchise is part of who I am and who I've become as a person. But being a fan is not enough. To be successful, we understand that we need to win championships, create a positive impact on the community, and create incredible memories and great experiences for our our fan base, much like I had as a youth growing up in Washington. We'll have more to say in the days that come, but today I want to leave it here. 
to our team and the incredible fan base in Washington, a new era of Washington football is here. It's time to get to work. Thank you. So there you go, Josh Harris. Uh, he very much hit on the point of him being from the Washington, D.C. area and being a fan of the team. As many of you know by now, Josh Harris grew up in Chevy Chase, Maryland. He attended the field school in Washington, D.C., but he also made it a point to say something that I thought was very important. Quote, being a fan is not enough. To be successful, we understand that we need to win championships, create a positive impact on the community, and create incredible memories and great experiences for our fan base, much like I had as a youth growing up in Washington. And quote, and all of that, of course, is 100% correct. Now, Josh Harris at this press conference did take some questions. Uh, this was Harris on the process of buying the commanders. Yeah, look, I mean, obviously it was a long process. Uh, sometimes um, that's what happens. Uh, we're very excited to get to work uh, and to start uh, the new era of Washington football. And, um, yeah, I mean, we, we are humbled and awed by the level of responsibility that we have to, uh, to take care of the city and to win championships and to, you know, really uh, excite the fans again. And you heard right there the emphasis from Josh Harris on winning championships and owing something to the fans. Uh, those talking points are not by accident. <laughs> I can promise you that. Uh, here was Harris on if it has been hard for him to see what has happened to the team over the last three decades. Yeah, look, I mean, obviously it's an amazing day for me uh, and very exciting. But uh, I'm, I've had many sleepless nights and I will have many sleepless nights. Like, I'm going to sweat this. Uh, I feel an awesome sense of responsibility to the city of Washington. I know what I got to do. Uh, and ultimately, that comes down to winning. And uh, it's not easy. There are uh, 31 other owners that are good at what they do. There are 31 other cities. Uh, but it's on me and it's on our ownership group to deliver. And that's what we're going to do. Yeah, Josh Harris, quote, I feel an awesome sense of responsibility to the city of Washington, end quote. I love that. Uh, I absolutely love that. Uh, what about the stadium situation, specifically the Commander's Next Stadium being on the site of RFK Stadium in Washington, D.C.? A lot of talk about that lately, including on this podcast. Uh, here was Harris on that issue. Yeah, look, I mean, obviously, we're just getting here, and we're on the eve of training camp, which starts, you know, obviously this weekend and into next week. And, uh, you know, our first priority is, like, going to be football and what we do on the field. Uh, we're hard at work trying to figure out how we improve fan experience. And then we're going to start engaging with the community. Those are our three priorities. And, obviously, there's a lot of things. I mean, what I love about Washington, it has incredibly passionate football fans, and uh, they want to talk about a lot of things, and obviously uh, that's one of them, and uh, we're going to be focused on that, but right now it's day one, and it's going to take a while to uh, unpack what really makes sense. As far as RFK, I mean, obviously, uh, I understand it's the spiritual home of the history of the commanders. All right, RFK Stadium, quote, the spiritual home of the history of the commanders, end quote. Uh, I've never heard RFK Stadium referred to in that way. But you know what? Josh Harris isn't wrong when he says that. Uh, how about football operations? Uh, how about head coach Ron Rivera? Don Ron. What must Don Ron <laughs> be, be thinking right now? Uh, what does Josh Harris think about 
Commander's football operations. Here was Harris during his press conference on football ops. Yeah, so um, we haven't really had a lot of access. Uh, when you, before you own uh, an NFL team or pick, pick to own an NFL team, uh, really there's a lot of different uh, rules to staying away. So we've had, I've, met, I've obviously met the football staff and I've obviously witnessed what they've done from the outside in terms of some of the improvements they brought to the team over the last few years. Um, it's a big, important season, but uh, you know, day one, we're going to be engaging with them and trying to understand how they tick and what they do. And so, uh, for the for the first season, right, we're getting here right at training camp. Um, the reality is that uh, a lot of what uh, you do as an ownership to affect a team happens prior to this point. And so uh, we're going to be doing a lot of listening and learning and watching and, you know, watching what Ron and his staff do. Yeah. Translation, Ron, you better win or you're fired. (laughs) Okay. Uh, All right. Maybe Josh Harris didn't quite say that, but we all know uh, that that is the deal. Uh, The Josh Harris portion of the press conference in the 5 p.m. Eastern hour on Thursday did not last for long. Uh, Perhaps we'll hear more from Harris on Friday, but we in this press conference did hear more from Roger Goodell, specifically about the Mary Jo White report. And I'm going to get to that next. But first, you can bet that at WSH on the daily on Instagram is on fire right now. Uh, At WSH on the daily on IG. On the daily just started in 2021 and yet has nearly 22,000 followers. And on the daily is literally daily. Uh, The page is updated every day. News, notes, reports, photos, graphics. Uh, This is a page that properly sources and vets its news and information. This is not a page that just, you know, posts anything (laughs) that anyone says. Uh, On the Daily on Instagram is a great place at which you can converse with other Commanders fans regarding the team, the draft. The sale, free agency, and trades. Uh, On the Daily responds to every single DM. Uh, On the Daily is a page at which you can have fun. Uh, Lots of creativity with jersey swaps and unique graphics and the contest Name That Redskin. And free wallpaper Wednesday, which is when On the Daily gives out free wallpaper that you can use on your phone. Uh, And On the Daily always has a great fresh look. If you're on Instagram, check out at WSH on the daily for smart, informative, fun, and engaging commander's content. Check out at WSH on the daily on Instagram. All right, so we late Thursday afternoon had the wonderful announcement that NFL owners had voted unanimously to approve the sale of the commanders from Dan and Tanya Snyder to the Josh Harris group. And then right after that, the NFL released the Mary Jo White report and a summary statement regarding the report. This was a classic (laughs) NFL burying something that it wanted to bury in the Mary Jo White report by tacking it on to this massive occurrence of Dan Snyder selling the commanders. But at last, we do have the findings of the Mary Jo White investigation. And unlike with the Beth Wilkinson investigation, we do have a report. Yes, there was a report. The NFL on February 18th, 2022, announced that the league had informed the Congressional Committee 
that was handling Congress's involvement in Washington's workplace misconduct scandal, the Committee on Oversight and Reform, that the League had engaged Mary Jo White to conduct an investigation into allegations that were made against Dan Snyder at the Committee on Oversight and Reform's hybrid roundtable on February 3rd, 2022. Tiffany Johnston Uh, She served as a cheerleader and marketing manager for the Redskins. She, at this hybrid roundtable, alleged that she had a work dinner in 2005 or 2006 was, quote, strategically, end quote, seated by Dan Snyder so that he could put, quote, his hand on the middle of my thigh until I physically removed it, end quote. She said that this was done purposely and without consent as he touched her in a sexual manner. Johnston also alleged that Dan later that night, quote, aggressively pushed, end quote, her toward his limo before his attorney intervened, advising Dan not to engage in the, quote, very bad idea, end quote. Jason Friedman, uh, Johnston's former boss, said in a letter to Representative Carolyn B. Maloney that he witnessed Dan try to grab Johnston and push her to his limo. Uh, The Mary Jo White investigation was launched to look into these allegations by Tiffany Johnston, but the Mary Jo White investigation ended up taking on a wider scope, including the financial scandal for which this guy, Jason Friedman, was a whistleblower. And Jason Friedman was just in the news again. Uh, We mentioned this uh, on Tuesday's show, episode 612. Uh, We on Monday morning learned that Jason Friedman filed a $10 million defamation lawsuit against the team uh, and attorney John L. Brownlee. Uh, Jason Friedman was a sales-slash-ticketing employee of the team for 24-plus years, March 1996 to October 2020. Well, here's the bottom line. The Mary Jo White report vindicated both Tiffany Johnston and Jason Friedman. But before we get to that, this, that summary statement put out by the NFL announced that Dan Snyder will, quote, pay $60 million to the league in resolution of Miss White's findings and all outstanding matters, end quote. Yeah. The NFL sent Dan Snyder packing with a $60 million penalty. And remember, this is off his $10 million penalty via the Beth Wilkinson investigation. Uh, And this, you know, was attempted to be buried by the NFL, this $60 million penalty via announcing the Mary Jo White report right after the NFL announced that NFL owners had unanimously approved the sale of the commanders from the Snyders to the Josh Harris group. Uh, The summary statement also said that the Mary Jo White investigation took over 17 months and included interviews with dozens of witnesses, sometimes on multiple occasions, uh, a review of over 10,000 documents and assistance from a team of forensic accountants. Uh, The report is 22 pages long. And like I said, the report vindicated the allegations of these two former Skins employees, Tiffany Johnston and Jason Friedman, uh, read the beginning of the conclusion of the report. Quote, after extensive investigation, we have sustained both Tiffany Johnston's allegation of sexual harassment by Mr. Snyder and Jason Friedman's allegation of deliberate underreporting of NFL revenues by the club to avoid its VTS sharing obligations, 
end quote. Now, the report did not find enough evidence to substantiate some other allegations. Uh, Also, and this conclusion was this, quote, we found that the evidence was insufficient to demonstrate Mr. Snyder's involvement in the calendar photo incident or in the security deposit issues and was inconclusive as to his personal participation in the club's improper shielding of VTS revenues, end quote. But the report also raised new questions as also in the conclusion was this, quote, In the course of the investigation, we also identified a variety of transactions and accounting entries left unexplained (laughs) by the club, which raised a number of issues as to whether a significant portion of the revenues recorded were NFL-related revenues improperly shielded from VTS sharing, end quote. Look, I don't want to get too bogged down in the specifics of the Mary Jo White report because honestly, today is a day for celebration, okay? Not for the combing over of all of the details in the Mary Jo White report. I mean, there is a lot of minutiae in this report. But let me make this clear. The report does matter. Uh, actually, the report matters quite a bit. What happened to Tiffany Johnston especially matters a lot. And so I'm not just going to ignore what's in this report. Uh, And sure enough, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell was not allowed to ignore uh, the report. So he in the press conference in the 5 p.m. Eastern hour on Thursday uh, took questions for just a few minutes. Uh, The first and last questions that Roger took were about the Mary Jo White report. Uh, the questions came from two recent guests of this podcast, Commander's Insider Nikki Javala of the Washington Post and NFL Business Insider Ben Fisher of Sports Business Journal. And uh, Roger Goodell basically said nothing. <laughs> here you go. Okay, we'll go for a couple here. We'll go to Nikki from the Washington Post. Hi, Nikki. Also in relation to the Mary Jo White findings, um, do you feel confident that the recourse the league took um, with him having what? that the recourse the league took in having to uh, have Dan Snyder pay 60 million back to owners is sufficient uh, penalty for for the things he was found to have done? Well, the, the payment that will be made will be, uh, you know, uh, in resolution of the Mary Jo White. Um, uh, findings as well as uh, resolution of all outstanding matters. So, yes, we do. Last question, Ben Fisher. Roger, could you, um, I guess, show your work, if you will, on the 60 million figure? Why that number in particular? As I said, it was a resolution of um, all the outstanding matters, including uh, Mary Jo White's uh, uh, findings. It was something that uh, the Finance Committee uh, considered, recommended unanimously, and the membership accepted unanimously. unanimously. Yeah, so Roger Goodell right there doing what he does well, uh, taking bullets for NFL owners, talking but essentially saying nothing. Roger Goodell gets paid a lot of money to do uh, what he just did right there. Uh, The NFL ended up getting what it wanted with the Mary Jo White report, a burial of the report. Uh, The NFL on Thursday was able to make this Mary Jo White report an oh-by-the-way kind of thing, as opposed to the massive thing that the report could have been. And I get why the NFL did this. I mean, nobody should be surprised that the NFL did this, but let's all acknowledge (laughs) that the NFL did this. And let's also acknowledge that, at least according to Mary Jo White, Tiffany Johnston was telling the truth, and Jason Friedman was speaking truth. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, one more thing off the glorious news on late Thursday afternoon that NFL owners voted unanimously to approve the sale of the commanders from Dan and Tanya Snyder to the Josh Harris group. So as you may have noticed, I on this podcast have not done much in the way of looking back on Dan Snyder's 24 plus years of ownership of the team or ranking the worst occurrences or anything like that. Why? Uh, because honestly, I'm over talking about Dan. I've spent a large portion of my professional career discussing and analyzing and agonizing over and mocking the horror show that was Dan Snyder's ownership of the team. We all know how bad things have been. You don't need a history lesson. Uh, and, you know, I'm not knocking anyone who has gone over the lows of Dan's ownership of the team. But personally, I would much rather focus on what's going to happen with the team as opposed to what has happened with the team. It was on May 25th. 1999, that NFL owners voted unanimously to approve the sale of the Washington Redskins to a group led by 34-year-old Daniel M. Snyder. Uh, He bought the team when he was 34. Think about that. Dan could have owned the team for 60-plus years and gone down as one of the greatest figures in Washington, D.C. sports history. Instead, he goes down as one of the worst figures in D.C. sports history. Heck, 
Maybe the worst. I mean, the skin's initial owner, George Preston Marshall, was a horrendous racist, but it was Marshall who moved the skins from Boston to D.C. in the 1936-1937 offseason. And the skins under Marshall did win NFL championships for the 1937 and 1942 seasons. So you could argue that George Preston Marshall was a better owner of the team than Dan Snyder was. But whatever the case, Dan, when he bought the team in May 1999 at the age of 34, was positioned to be the owner of the team for the rest of his life. And instead, he has sold the team before turning 60. Uh, Dan Snyder now is 58. And make no mistake, he sold the team against his will. He never wanted to sell the team. He ended up essentially being forced to sell the team due to the other NFL owners turning on him because they finally got sick of all of the problems that he was bringing, with the biggest problem in the minds of the other owners being that he stopped being the revenue generator, the earner uh, that he should have been, given the size and lucrative nature of the Washington, D.C. area market. Uh, The other NFL owners didn't all of a sudden find religion on Dan Snyder. No, them turning on him ultimately was about money. But what must Dan deep down inside be thinking? I mean, on the one hand, yeah, he made a killing on the sale, right? Dan in May 1999 bought the team in what was then known as Jack Kent Cook Stadium for $800 million. Dan in July 2023 is selling the team at what is now FedEx Field for $6.05 billion. If you look at the sale through that prism, Dan has nothing to be ashamed of. But of course, there's so much more to this situation than just that. The team under Dan was bad on the field and even worse off it. The team under Dan made the playoffs a mere six times in 24 seasons, 1999, 2005, 2007, 2012, 2015, and 2020. And the 1999 season was Dan's first season as owner. So you could argue that he doesn't even deserve credit for that playoff season. But the team under Dan missed the postseason in 18 of 24 seasons and went from being a financial powerhouse in the NFL to being a woefully underachieving NFL team, financially speaking. Uh, Staggering declines in home attendance and local television ratings and local revenue, countless controversies and scandals and investigations. Again, you don't need a history lesson, but there isn't a single metric or area that you can point to and say, hey, at least the team under Dan excelled in this. No, the only thing that the team under Dan excelled in was being bad. Football operations, business operations, the uh, general sense of pride that people in the community had in the team. The team over the last 24 seasons has fallen on its face in all of these areas. I have no idea what's going to happen with Dan Snyder moving forward. I can't say that I particularly care. I mean, I don't wish bad things on him. I certainly don't wish bad things on his family, but I'm just amazed at how bad of an owner he ended up being. And I do wonder if years from now, we will see or read a piece in which Dan finally admits, yeah, I did a bad job as owner of the team. And yeah, I treated people poorly. And yeah, I wish that I had done things a lot differently. But of course, that kind of epiphany by Dan 
such an epiphany by Danny Boy uh, would go against everything that we've come to know about the guy. I mean, maybe his single biggest flaw is a lack of self-awareness, which has led to a lack of accountability. You know, nothing is ever his fault. Uh, Lack of self-awareness is one of the biggest flaws a leader can have, and he has had that flaw. Of that, there is no doubt. Uh, I want to take you back to February 3rd, 2022. Uh, February 3rd, 2022 was the day after 2.2.22, which was the day on which the team officially revealed its new name of commanders. Well, 2.3.22 was the day on which we had that hybrid roundtable before Congress's House Committee on Oversight and Reform regarding Washington's workplace misconduct scandal. Uh, Among those who spoke at the roundtable was Melanie Coburn. Uh, Melanie Coburn served as a director of marketing, marketing coordinator, and cheerleader for the Redskins. Uh, Take a listen to this brief clip of something that she said. I returned to Dan Snyder's house only to be sent to my room in the basement and told to stay there. I later learned from a colleague who was there that it was because the men had invited prostitutes back. Okay, Melanie Coburn, quote, I returned to Dan Snyder's house only to be sent to my room in the basement and told to stay there. I later learned from a colleague who was there that it was because the men had invited prostitutes back. End quote. Uh, What Melanie Coburn was doing there was describing an employee, quote, awards trip, end quote, to Dan Snyder's home in Aspen, Colorado. Uh, At a dinner of heavy drinking, she said a colleague was, quote, hazed to drink despite being a recovering addict, end quote. After returning to Dan's house, she said she was told to go stay in her room in the basement, quote, I later learned from a colleague who was there that it was because the men had invited prostitutes back, end quote. I returned to Dan Snyder's house only to be sent to my room in the basement and told to stay there. I later learned from a colleague who was there that it was because the men had invited prostitutes back. (laughs) Yeah. Now, look, I'm not laughing because what happened to Melanie Coburn is funny. No, I'm laughing because of how freaking absurd that clip is. I mean, for those of you who were around for the glory days of the team, you know, the glory days of the skins, 1982 through 1992, imagine your 2023 self going back in time and playing that clip that I just played for your glory days self and imagine your 2023 self trying to explain to your glory days self the circumstances and the context and the meaning of that clip that I just played. Yeah, this guy, Dan Snyder, he became the owner of the team. And yeah, this woman who's speaking, uh, she used to work for the team, but she then spoke about her terrible experience working for the team before Congress, which was investigating the team. And yeah, that guy, Dan Snyder, he, according to this woman, made her stay in his basement while he and his pals partied with prostitutes in Aspen. Like, what are we talking about here? How ridiculous is that? How absurd is that? And yet that became our new normal with Dan Snyder owning the team. The abnormal became normal. The last 24 plus years never had to be like this. The horrendous nature 
of Dan's ownership of the team was completely avoidable and totally inexcusable. You almost have to try to have things under your ownership of an NFL team be as bad as they were for our team under Dan. Why he was the way he was as owner of the team, we may never know. But, you know, whatever. His tenure as owner is done. And thank God for that. Well, the Orioles on Thursday evening began their biggest series of the season so far, a four-game series at the American League wildcard leading Tampa Bay Rays, and the O's won a 4-3, 10-inning win. Despite the O's blowing a 3-1, seventh-inning lead, the O's improved to 59-37 and and now are a full game ahead of the Rays for the best record in the American League and for first place in the American League East. The once-mighty Rays, uh, they now have lost five consecutive games, and the O's, Joe Angel, were back in the win column. And the Orioles again in the win column. Yeah, Commanders fans on Thursday were in the win column, and the O's on Thursday evening were in the win column. Really nice pitching by the O's in this game. Kyle Gibson allowed three runs in six innings with eight strikeouts, and two of the runs charged to Gibson came on a double that was given up by reliever Yanir Cano. Now, Gibson did do his thing of putting a good number of guys on base. He gave up seven hits, a double, and six singles. He issued two walks, a hit by pitch, and a wild pitch, but he did throw a lot of strikes. Uh, 91 pitches, 63 strikes versus just 28 balls. Uh, And then three Orioles relievers officially combined for four scoreless innings with five strikeouts. Uh, Yanir Cano officially tossed one and a third scoreless innings, but he, to the first batter he faced, did give up a crucial hit. He gave up a game-tying two-run opposite field double by Yandy Diaz to the right center field gap on a 1-2 pitch to tie the game at three in the bottom of the seventh. Brian Baker faced four batters and got two outs, but then... Felix Batista, the Orioles' ace reliever. Two scoreless, hitless, and walkless innings with three swinging strikeouts. Uh, Here was O's manager Brandon Hyde during his postgame session with reporters on Thursday night singing the praises of the Orioles' ace reliever. How about Felix Batista? Um, I'm so lucky to have him. He's just, uh, uh, you know... The reason why he can pitch the 10th is because he has such an efficient ninth. You know, he throws under 10 pitches in the ninth inning after pitching yesterday, getting the save yesterday, goes out, has an easy ninth inning against the top of their order, and then allows us to, you know, if we score there, he's going he's to go back out. Um, but he just, he's amazing, and uh, and he does it again. Yes, he does. Felix Batista now in this regular season, 43 games, 47 innings, an ERA of 0.96, a whip of 0.85, and a strikeouts per nine innings of 17.43. Just a phenomenal season. Uh, The Orioles' offense on Thursday evening was not phenomenal. Uh, The O's totaled just six hits, a triple, and five singles. Worked no walks. The O's struck out 14 times. uh, Did go two for four with runners in scoring position, but had a really hard time against the Rays starting pitcher Tyler Glasnow, who allowed three runs, two earned in seven innings with nine strikeouts versus no walks. But I do want to highlight Gunnar Henderson. 
Uh, he is the Orioles starting third baseman and number one batter went one for four with a triple. Henderson in an Orioles three-run fourth had a leadoff opposite field hustle triple despite having been down in the count at 1.02. Uh, what happened here was Henderson hit the ball off the Rays third baseman Taylor Walls. The ball went into left field and then Henderson made it all the way to third base thanks to the Rays' left fielder Randy Arozarena lollygagging in fielding the ball. What a play by Henderson to turn what should have been a double into a triple. I mean, just an awesome job by Henderson right there. And then Henderson had a terrific defensive play. Uh, Henderson, in the bottom of the six for the second out, made a charging scoop and then throw across his body for a ground out by Jose Siri. Uh, The O's in this game, multiple impressive defensive plays. Big win for the O's on Thursday evening. More from Brandon Hyde during his postgame session with reporters on Thursday night. This on being in first place in the American League East. It's just July. That's kind of where I'm at right now. We're, we, this, this team across is so good, and it's, they're so hard to play, especially here. And uh, it's such a momentum team, too. I mean, we've been on the other side of those type of games. I can't tell you how many times in my fifth year here um, where we'd lose those type of games. But we have Felix Batista now, and uh, that's a huge difference. But I was just real, you know, be able to scrap three runs against Glass now, who was really good. Great stuff. Um, and Kyle Gibson matching him every step of the way, and Kyle leaving with the 3-1 lead. Uh, Gibby gave us a huge start. All right, game two for the O's at the Rays, Friday evening at 6.40. Kyle Bradish will be the Orioles' starting pitcher. Game three at the Rays, Saturday afternoon at 4.10. Grayson Rodriguez will be the Orioles' starting pitcher. And game four at the Rays, Sunday afternoon at 1.40. Tyler Wells will be the Orioles' starting pitcher. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. So the commanders have announced this training camp pep rally at FedEx Field for Friday afternoon at 1. The word uh, has been that we at this event will get extensive comments from our now formally approved incoming lead owner of the commanders, Josh Harris. If this is what ends up happening, uh, there will be a special installment of this podcast For Saturday morning, yes, the ultra-rare weekend installment of the Al Galdi podcast. But if Josh Harris on Friday afternoon ends up not speaking or not speaking for long, then I'll just be back with you for a show for Monday. So the day for the next episode of this podcast, episode 616, is to be determined either Saturday or Monday. Uh, In any event, have a great rest of your Friday, and I'll talk to you on Saturday or Monday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.